Support for Healthcare Americana comes from Freedom HealthWorks. With Freedom HealthWorks, physicians, employers, and patients can thrive in direct care. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com to start your journey into direct care today. From Freedom HealthWorks, it's Healthcare Americana, a show about innovators, idealists, and pioneers in healthcare. These are their stories. I'm Christopher Habig, and on today's show, Jay Kempton of the Kempton Group and co-founder of the Free Market Medical Association. Jay took over and grew a TPA, the third-party administration benefits company, in a very unorthodox way. He doesn't like working with insurance companies. Jay started working at the Kempton Group, the family business, out of college in 1992. Ten years later, he took the reins to continue the company's success in Oklahoma. Another ten years later, Jay discovered, in his own words, the, quote, free market medical movement. Cue the light bulb moment. He discovered how his group could actually save his clients money by cutting out the traditional middlemen in health insurance. Once he found other like-minded people in his community, he became a true believer in the new free market of healthcare. People want to say, well, why isn't transparency taking off the way you would think it would? If everybody wants it, it's by design. A lot of the medical providers out there trying to do the right things are handcuffed by some of these managed care contracts. And those managed care contracts are not in the best interest of anybody except for the big players. You almost quit your own company. Why? Yeah, Chris, that's a great question. Um, you know, you would think that it's a successful family business. Uh, why would why would the uh, uh, the son of the owner want to get out of it? And the answer is, uh, I was really frustrated and kind of disgusted with uh, the nature of healthcare. Um, you know, we work directly with self-funded employers to to help. Uh, help their employees um, get the best healthcare possible at the lowest possible price. And that was, that was almost impossible to do. As you and your listeners probably know, you know, healthcare is, is uh, continues to go up every year. And, and in my business, the conventional wisdom would be if, if the, the health insurance uh, from one year to the next, if it went up by less than 10% in my business, that was considered a, a positive message that you've really done a great job that, you know, the, the costs of healthcare only went up by 8% in, uh, you know, in the last year. And I was acutely aware of how that was impacting uh, my employers and their employees. Uh, I, I had, I've had employers say, you know, Hey, I give my employees a raise every single year, but it all goes to healthcare. Um, my employees haven't seen a real raise, you know, in eight years or seven years, whatever. And me being hired to help them manage their costs, and that was as good as I could do, uh, that, that, that started to really erode my confidence in what I was doing. Right. So you pat yourself on the back saying, hey, your costs are only going to go up 10% this year. And they say, wow, that's really hurting me. That's not helping me in any way. Right. Yeah. So what exactly, so Kempton Group is a third-party administrator. And so just for anybody who's unfamiliar with that term out there, what does a third-party administrator really do? I know you just touched upon it briefly, but give us a little bit more sure. detail. Yeah, a third-party administrator um, works with employers that choose to self-insure or partially self-insure their employees' uh, health benefits. And, and I don't say health insurance uh, because if, if they're, if they're self-insured, uh, they have chosen, actively chosen, not to do business with a big insurance company, but instead the employer uses the dollars that would have gone to the big insurance company. Uh, those dollars are put into a bank account 
and the employer uh, simply pays their employees' medical bills and prescription bills uh, right out of their right out of their revenue. And so um, it's kind of the anti-insurance uh, method. But most employers out there, if they're in the business of making widgets, uh, they certainly don't understand how uh, healthcare works, how to stay on the right side of all the federal and state regulations, and so they have to hire a an expert, a third party, to essentially run uh, their self-funded health plan and process the medical claims and design the plan and, and hopefully also coach their employees into being better healthcare consumers. And that's really in a nutshell what a third party administrator does. Gotcha. So a lot of companies don't even realize that they're really healthcare companies because they have such a massive amount of spending that goes towards taking care of their employees, which a lot of people say, hey, that's the right thing to do. But like you said, if you're making widgets, you're not going to have an idea of where to find the best deals, where to find the best doctors, where to find the best services, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and then like in every other business, there's been so, so much consolidation. Um, there's not a whole lot of third-party administrators that are still, that are still independent. Um, so many of the, the, the ma and pa store shops like, like myself um, you know, have sold out through the years to the big insurance companies. The big insurance companies, they, they kind of go both ways. They, they provide insurance products, but almost all of them also provide third-party administration services. But when they're acting as a third-party administrator, um, you know, they spend a lot of money on that big brand that they've got out there. And most employees of a, of a employer that chooses to self-insure their benefits, if they're with one of the big insurance companies that provides administrative services, those employees may not realize that they're self-insured. They may not realize that the dollar that is going towards that hospital bill is the same dollars coming out of the exact same pocket that is paying their paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so that disconnect really does benefit, um, you know, kind of the, the, the status quo out there, you know, big pharma, big healthcare and big insurance. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like it's a lot of the factors that uh, almost drive you, drove you out of your family business. So I want to, I want to go back to what we're talking about before. Um, you joined the Kempton group, your dad's company right out of college. You're there for 10 years. You take over the reins. You're getting, you're kind of feeling what I'm going to say, just disillusioned with the whole industry there. Then you find the free market. What was that like? Was that a eureka moment or was this something else? Well, um, it was one of those, you know, most people don't believe in unicorns and I didn't either, but I found one. And the one unicorn that I found, the, the one free market minded medical provider or healthcare seller, as we call it at the Free Market Medical Association, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. I don't know if many of your, if your listeners have know about Surgery Center of Oklahoma and the work of, of Dr. Keith Smith, but the Kempton Group, we're about three miles away from Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and I was actually introduced to Surgery Center of Oklahoma and Keith Smith by one of my clients, um, which was also one of uh, Surgery Center, uh, actually one of Keith Smith's neighbors, and um, we met, and I learned about, uh, you know, he was just as disgusted with the healthcare status quo, but from the other side of the mirror, um, I was discussed as it, you know, from the buyer's perspective, from the health plan perspective, 
he was disgusted in a lot of same a lot of the same ways but from a medical provider's perspective he's a board certified anesthesiologist and and he has some of the same frustrations what they chose to do though is is post their prices online that was the way that they were going to kind of stick it to the man and try to go around the healthcare cartel the the, the big insurance companies and so when we met uh, yeah there was a little bit of a light bulb moment for me that my gosh um, this is amazing. You know, uh, this is a healthcare provider that is honest, open, reserves his best pricing for, for cash buyers, whether it be an individual, you know, Chris, you or me as individuals or a group health plan. Uh, one of my employers, it didn't really matter to him. If you had cash, you got his best price. So it was, it was great. It was one of those light bulb moments, but like I mentioned at the beginning of, of answering this question, I kind of chalked him up to being a unicorn. You know, there was, this had no legs. This was a, you know, a one, a one time unique type of a scenario. Uh, so it gave me a glimmer of hope, but uh, it wasn't the sea change, life changing moment hadn't really happened yet. It's an incredible story. You guys are three miles away from one of the pioneers in creating this free market healthcare industry, really with the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. You're three miles away. You have mutual friends. What was your reaction to that light bulb moment of, hey, this could be a reality. This could be something that we do. And then what were the challenges in tweaking your business model? Because it sounds like, well, obviously you didn't quit uh, the Kempton Group. What happened uh, internally for you to start pursuing this path then? Yeah, that's that's a great question because, um, you know, being that, that my company, we we manage health plans for individual employers. Um, we kind of fell into the the normal model, you know, when it came to the the, the the benefit plan design. You know, we had out of network benefits, and and then you know most of your readers know if you go out of network, you get your hands slapped, you get a, a lesser benefit. You want to be sure and stay in network because it's in your best interest, and you get a better benefit. So, you know, having patients being subject to deductibles and co-pays was really universal. Surgery Center of Oklahoma, again, their, their transparency, their bundled price, again, was reserved for cash customers. And, you know, I knew that, you know, having a $5,800 all-in, all-done price at Surgery Center of Oklahoma for a, a gallbladder removal was a great price, but I didn't have a lot of individual you know, bank tellers, for instance, uh, we do business with a lot of small community banks and there were not a lot of bank tellers that could afford $5,800 to write a check for it. So we had to figure out a way, even though it was a great price. So we had to figure out a way is how do we essentially allow for a self-funded employer to look, smell, and taste like cash to Surgery Center of Oklahoma? How do we do that? And so we really created uh, kind of a new tier, a new benefit tier within um, our clients' benefit plans. And this new tier, it was kind of above in-network benefits, if you will. And, and we, we ended up calling it the premier benefit tier. But essentially, it was just if you utilize the services of Surgery Center of Oklahoma and bought at uh, the posted website pricing, uh, that the employer's benefit plan would, would pay it at 100%. No deductible would apply no co-insurance would apply, no co-pays would apply. And the Kempton Group would write a check on the employer's bank account 
uh, to Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and we took some steps to make sure that we were able to get that check over there to Surgery Center of Oklahoma in about five days or less from the time that we received the bill and the patient received the medical procedure. Now, what was the reaction when you, when you build this plan and you're putting everybody into a new facility that has transparent pricing, it has reasonable pricing, what was the reaction from other facilities that you did business with? Chris, I'm glad you asked it because that is where the magic kind of happened. And once we created this new benefit tier, again, since the pricing was, was already posted, it was, out, it was online, we were able to pre-evaluate the pricing and we were able to then show our employers and their employees that, you know, my goodness, compared to what you have been paying for a knee surgery or a gallbladder removal or whatever these procedures are, if you were to buy from Surgery Center of Oklahoma, the pricing is so much less that even when you're paying it at 100%, the employer will still save a ton of money. So when we started doing that, we had very rapid adoption. Every client that we had adopted this very quickly. So you had full-scale adoption across the board. Yeah, within about a month, uh, <laughs> wow. you know, people would come to us and say, well, golly, Jay, is there a reason we shouldn't do this? And, and I said, no. Give me an excuse. I, you know, it, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is, is really, it's an amazing, wonderful deal. Uh, but again, we thought it was kind of that unicorn. It was, well, there's one, you know, good guy in a, in a world of opacity. And, uh, but about three months after we started doing that, I actually got a phone call from a, another physician-owned facility, a medical healthcare provider uh, here in Oklahoma City. They called me. They were very angry with me, and it was actually a, a hospital administrator, and he was explaining to me that he had just had another <laughs> surgeon of his come to him and say that uh, he had they've been having some patients cancel pre-scheduled surgeries. Uh, I guess it had been happening fairly regularly in the last couple of months. And when this hospital administrator started to dig into, well, why are these patients canceling their surgeries? This hospital administrator found out that they were having them done at Surgery Center of Oklahoma. And when he inquired, well, why are they doing that? They said, well, the Kempton Group makes it free if you get your surgery done at Surgery Center of Oklahoma. And that is why he was calling me. He uh, was really feeling abused and, and, and why are you taking my patients away? And I said, golly, you know, I, I really had not anticipated to have a phone call like that. But I explained to <laughs> little, him that- A little out of the blue saying, why, it, it why really are you would. taking all these expensive surgeries, uh, these, these profitable surgeries away from us and sending them to someplace better? Yeah, you know, I, I had never even stepped foot into the shoes of a healthcare provider and I can just tell you, Chris, and your audience, healthcare providers are not used to competition. In fact, when it occurs to them, it is offensive, it's new, and they really don't know how to react to it, especially open, open competition, you know, the same competition that, say, a hardware store faces. Yeah, price um, is right online. This is, it's a novel concept, or was at the time, absolutely. Right. So that was um, the answer that I gave to this, this hospital administrator that, you know, my goodness, you know. Surgery Center of Oklahoma's pricing is online. It's so good. My employers uh, are just choosing to waive their patients' deductibles if they, they use that pricing. 
And, and this, this individual, he was aware of this pricing, but he had never anticipated that an employer's health plan would access this pricing. And he always thought, well, that's pricing that individuals will access. Never thought about an employer accessing it. But I do have to give this individual a lot of credit because he was the, the kind of the next shoe dropped. And, and after he calmed down a little bit and we, I kind of explained to him what was happening, he made the bold statement that, hey, I think we can do that. If we were to offer upfront cash pricing, would you choose to buy from us as well? I said, well, it depends on what the pricing is. And it was interesting. He mentioned, well, where does our pricing need to be? And I said, well, why don't you go to Surgery Center of Oklahoma's website and take a look at it? And that was kind of a, an interesting event as well. So anyway, after a week or two, we got pricing from this facility. And essentially now we what was a unicorn, now we had two unicorns, and they wow. were openly competing for patients. And just like uh, that, you snap your fingers, and a week or two later, this traditional, uh, uh, I'm going to say, uh, more of a fee-for-service type of a hospital running through insurance, was able to provide a list of cash prices that were very competitive to a facility that was already doing it before. It just kind of makes you think, long. yeah, kind of scratch your head right now, thinking, well, how is that possible? I thought with all the overhead and all the things you hear about why these facilities are so much more expensive, how are they able to do this? Yeah, that, that exactly right. And so my eyes were starting to be open. You know, the myth was being crushed right before my eyes. And um, a few months after that, we actually had a cardiac facility. Same thing. Gave us a call, heard what we were doing, heard that, you know, we were incentivizing patients with free surgeries and um, they provided us pricing. And my goodness, this was a, this was a top flight uh, inpatient cardiac hospital here in Oklahoma City that we had been doing business with for years through kind of the, you know, the, the managed care PPO discount kind of a structure. And they provided us with a cash price list. Again, it expected quick cash payment. Um, but we received that, you know, a few months after uh, Surgery Center of Oklahoma and so anyway, next thing you know, I think that Dr. Smith and I both kind of said, you know, my goodness, this could be a movement. Surgery Center of Oklahoma, by that time, other third-party administrators like me had, had heard about what I was doing. So Dr. Smith's phone was ringing. Mm -hmm. uh, other self-funded employers, their third-party administrators were calling, wanted to have access to his pricing. And he started doing business with, our, with my competitors very similarly to what was happening on his end because all of a sudden he had competitors that were coming out of the woodwork and were wanting to offer us cash pricing. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, Chris, I mean, that's, that's kind of what had happened. It, it just organically occurred. It's, it, it's unbelievable. And I, I love hearing that story. So it makes me think, what, were there any facilities or anybody you came across that was like, no, we're going to still do business the way we've always done it. Was anybody not willing to play by the new rules? Yeah, yeah, there there are. There are quite a few um, that, uh, you know, generally speaking, and this is just, this is generalization, um, generally speaking, you know, the large not-for-profit hospitals are very reluctant and or hostile to this movement. And, you know, I think they've had a very good thing going for a long time and they are not equipped, nor are they prepared to honestly and openly compete for business. And they're relatively inefficient. I had a friendly hospital employee divulge to me, I think this is the truth, that they never envisioned 
ever having to be in a market in which the buyer was price sensitive, um, <laughs> you know, where there was direct price comparison. Uh, that was just, that was never fathomed in their business model. Well, and they so just assumed just, that everybody would have a blank check and they're going to pay it no matter what. And as long as the hospital was giving a discount off of the build charge, as long as that discount was 30, 40, 50% off of an ever increasing build charge, everybody was happy. The buyer felt like they were getting a good deal because they were getting a discount. And since it was off the, the hospital's build charge, the hospital could essentially just make whatever profit they wanted to. And, and that was, that's a good life. And that represents kind of the status quo. Mm -hmm. So after saying that, after discussing that, do you feel that there's a concentration of power in the healthcare industry? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I don't think that'll be much of a shock to your listeners. If you're in a one uh, hospital system or two hospital system community, uh, you understand dramatically what the concentration of power is. Um, but what I'd like to highlight for, for your listeners, Chris, is there, there are some levers or mechanisms in which this concentration is fortified and is allowed to really defend itself. And that's being done through a lot of these managed care contracts, uh, these preferred provider contracts. When a medical provider is, is not in network, uh, for instance, for uh, a big insurance company, you know, that can be devastating to, a, 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 you know, say, an independent ambulatory surgery center, for instance. If they're not in network with the big, big insurance companies, they're out of business. And so that leverage allows these networks to really kind of keep and defend a lot of these giant monopolies out there. Because in order to be in network, you have to agree to their pricing. And if they don't want you to be competitive, even though maybe you are a very efficient facility that has great quality and really low cost. If they want your pricing to not appear very competitive, they will slide a fee schedule across, which uh, across the desk at you that you must agree to. There's very little negotiation, especially if you're a smaller player and say, you will agree to this pricing or you're not in network. Some of that pricing that they slide across the desk at you might be higher than you would normally charge if left to your own devices. Mm -hmm. And so the market, the potential for market manipulation and picking the winners and losers through that mechanism is tremendous. And a lot of these contracts also, if you do have a provider, a medical provider, healthcare provider that says, Hey, I want to be transparent. I want to do what the surgery center of Oklahoma did. But what will happen is they will have signed because they were forced to sign a, one of these managed care contracts and within these contracts, it'll say that you can't post your pricing or you can't directly do business with an employer that is not party to this network contract. And I mean, that, I mean, people want to say, well, why isn't transparency taking off the way you would think it would if everybody wants it? I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's by design uh, through you know, a lot of the medical providers out there that are trying to do the right things are handcuffed by some of these managed care contracts. And those managed care contracts are not in the best interest of, of anybody except for the big players. Right. So you don't get any transparency. If you're trying to do the right thing, like you said, you're in handcuffs because you have to make a living. It's wild to hear that even if I can charge a lower price than what's on this contract, 
And the insurance company, I have to do that. And the insurance company is going to go pat themselves on the back, you know, like we discussed earlier and say, look, you get a discount. This is a good deal for you. There's no, pl- no yeah. pricing uh, elasticity, like you said. So I, I think you already answered this question, but are there other headwinds? We answered the main part of this, but are there any other headwinds to what you're seeing right now? Because you guys are growing. You're in a lot of different states throughout the Midwest and kind of plain states of the U.S. Any other issues that you're seeing out there? Yeah, I, I would probably need to point back to, uh, and it, indirectly it does have to do with these managed care contracts. I was on the phone just yesterday with a benefits consultant, an insurance consultant that is working with a, a large employer, large for us, about 2,500 employees out in California, and they have, they're in three states out in the West Coast. And they are feeling that pinch that we've been talking about, the pricing, opacity, and and everything else. And so they are trying to put together a benefit plan design that embraces transparency and and incentivizes employees to negotiate with their medical providers. Well, because of this, uh, this is is something so simple, but it's so powerful, is on the employee's uh, insurance card, you know, the, just a little insurance card that goes in your wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, on that card, it states that this employee is uh, on a benefit plan that is going to um, pay the medical provider at some percentage above the provider's uh, Medicare allowable. Those are usually conversation starters in hopes of being able to, to get a direct negotiation. In other words, see me as a patient and we'll work out, if you don't have the pricing to me up front, we'll work that out on the back end. When those hospital ID cards are presented, in other words, a patient goes to their doctor's appointment, the first thing that the doctor usually will say is, I need to see your ID and your insurance card, right? Chris, mm-hmm. that's, that's what yeah. normally happens. They yeah. pull out one of these cards, and if it doesn't have one of those managed care logos that the medical provider uh, in is, is anticipating seeing, the clerk at the front desk will flat out tell the patient, you don't have insurance. You just walk out the door where we can't see you. And the patient's going, whoa, 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 I have insurance. I have, I, but it is a it's, a, it's like a binary decision. It's a zero or a one. Either we see a logo from a big insurance carrier or you don't have insurance. We're not going to talk to you about pricing. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you pricing. We're not going to even ask you if you would be willing to pay it up, you know, pay cash for it. Wow. It is just... If you're not part of the status quo, then we don't even want you as a patient. That wow. is a headwind, Chris. That is a major obstacle to overcome. It's, it, we talk a lot about the education and, and enablement of even the front office people at, at physicians' offices. Yeah. They have to be tuned into this too to understand how everything works. But I, well, that, you know, rarely do I, do I say that uh, the government has done a great job on a lot of things, but some of their marketing and able to, and a lot of the insurance companies too, some of their marketing, selling the Medicare services, Medicaid services, and then this insistence on massive insurance plans. I mean, they've done a nice job with that. They've created an incredible little monopoly, but monopolies sure happen. People like you and I tend to lose as well as every other patient out there, right? The thing that's so frustrating, you know, is, is back on that scenario, uh, you know, when they don't see a logo they recognize, they will not even ask the question, you know, because they may be, uh, you know, if you're an independent uh, doctor's office, you know, you may be getting dictated to you, you know, your pricing and it might, you may be getting paid, you know, some fraction of what you get paid by Medicare. 
And mm-hmm. this employer, this, this employee's employer-based plan, it may be willing to pay you a lot more than, you know, they may, there may be more benefit available than, mm-hmm. than what the, uh, the, the medical provider is used to, but they won't even have the conversation because Jeez. they're just, they are ignorant to, they don't see the patient as a buyer. They see right through the patient and say, you're not the buyer. We're not going to have a conversation with you. We need to talk to your insurance company. And if we don't have a agreement with your insurance company, we don't see you as even part of this transaction. You're not worthy of even having a conversation with. Don't even talk to us. Head out, head out the other side. It's kind of scary. I believe it. I live it, obviously. But um, wanted to touch briefly. So we spent a lot of time talking about specialists and surgery centers, that type of stuff. Wanted to talk a little bit more about the entry level and most people's entry level into the healthcare industry, which is the primary care level. Obviously, something that's very near and dear to my heart from a Freedom Health Works standpoint, helping primary care. But there's a lot of studies out there to show that a heavier insistence, heavier utilization of primary care will lead to just better outcomes. I'm just going to summarize it by saying better outcomes down the line. So how does primary care factor into some of these plans, these unorthodox plans that you are building? Yeah, that, that is a, you asked me about headwind. Uh, if, if you were going to ask me, well, what about the, what tailwinds are you enjoying? Really, that is the direct primary care movement. Direct primary care um, fixes a lot of things. I'm sure you've probably talked in, in other podcasts how direct primary care removes the barriers mm-hmm. uh, to, to providing preventative care reestablishes the the doctor patient relationship with with not a lot of uh, you know middlemen intruding into that sacred relationship which is absolutely true but what we see uh, about it is that if we can get the patient and the direct primary care physician talking get the direct primary care person to medical provider to understand that this is an employee that has a health plan that is essentially a cash customer. It's an extension of the patient. And so there's no insurance involved. And so if there's ever any upstream care that's required, the direct primary care physician almost becomes an advocate. I mean, they are very interested in talking to my team, for instance, to help navigate that patient to other upfront, transparently minded medical providers. And so what we just spent the last five minutes talking about, about, you know, we don't see you as the customer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the direct primary care physician is completely on the team and their incentives are aligned with our incentives and also with the employer's incentives, which are all our employers want. They want happy, healthy employees that show up to work on time, not worried about their kids, health care, not being sick, et cetera. And so, Direct primary care is really, I mean, it is almost like the secret weapon. If we can get more direct primary care physicians out there, I think that some of the frustration that we, uh, I just shared with you, I think those will start to move away because the physician will have that conversation mm-hmm. with the upstream medical provider about what it means to be open and honest on behalf of the patient. They become the quarterback uh, for that patient's care and they're able to, I mean, how valuable is that to, and this is a rhetorical question, but how valuable is it to walk into a specialist and be able to have a primary care doctor um, essentially there with you, talking the talk, speaking the same lingo and answering all the questions that you have before? Because 
a lot of times it is very scary to walk into surgeries or walk into specialist office because it's your health that you're dealing with. But to have the advocate, like you said, I think that is one of the most underappreciated aspects of being able to have your own personal physician that is arising from the direct care movement and ultimately the, the, the free market uh, medical movement here. So it, it's amazing to see how you've been able to integrate everything together and get all the parts talking to it. Sounds still a little bit clunky, but we always have a little bit more work to do to, to improve upon that. Wanted to touch upon um, your work co-founding the Free Market Medical Association here. Talking to you previously, you said when we co-founded the FMMA with, uh, again, Dr. Keith Smith there, you said it was like throwing a pebble into a calm pond and watching the ripples. What did you mean by that? Yeah, um, you know, it was that organic nature of, of what we, we started seeing. Um, Dr. Smith and I, we had a sense that we were, you know, kind of partners in, in some exciting adventure. We just didn't know exactly where that adventure was going to lead, but we, we compared notes and you know, once we started doing business together and, and he had competitors start to come off the sidelines and start to compete, and, and I had competitors starting to emulate what we were doing, we kind of would, would go to dinner and talk about, you know, my gosh, I barely have time to run the surgery center because I'm answering all these emails. My phone's ringing off the hook. And I said, yeah, I don't have hardly any time to take care of my customers because I'm answering all these questions from competitors. Uh, what are you doing? How do we do that? <laughs> and so that was really what we mean that, 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 you know, what, when we started doing business together, we never thought that this was something that others would, 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 would organically want to enter into and, and emulate. But, um, so that was really why the free market medical association is why we decided to form it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we thought we, my gosh, we've got a, we've got to form some sort of an apparatus or an association that is really based on education, best practices, share what, what we were experiencing and hopefully also point out the pitfalls to others that the pitfalls that we unfortunately had to learn by falling into, uh, maybe we could, uh, you know, get people uh, to avoid some of the pitfalls and essentially pour gasoline on this movement and, and right. get it to grow faster. Right. There's enough demand there. There's enough smoke, as they say, that, hey, there's got to be something here. So what um, I, I know you got the FMMA has made a lot of progress. Um, Freedom Health Works, we're proud members of it. Obviously, uh, the Free Market Medical Association has been a big help in getting this podcast up and going and distributed uh, across the nation here. It's almost for about a year now. What type of initiatives are you working on this year? And then uh, I want you to touch upon uh, as a closing uh, tell us a little bit more about the the annual event coming up at the end of April. Yeah, you know, the, the two main uh, areas that are kind of goals for this year's Free Market Medical Association Annual Conference. First is entrepreneurship. The medical community, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, earlier about, you know, hospitals never, it was never in their business model to to need to be uh, efficient uh, in you know, in anticipation of having to be price competitive. Well, I mean, that permeates the entire medical community. Um, physicians are just, they're not entrepreneurial. They are, uh, so many of them are ill-equipped to compete in, in the free market. Um, you know, being employed by a big hospital system, for many of them, it's killing them. It's, it's absolutely draining their will to live, some, in some situations, literally. Um, but when you say, well, you need to, 
you know, get out of that employment model. You need to go and, and form your own business and, and go out and attract customers and, and those things scare most physicians to death. And so we're, we're going to hopefully have some, some good speakers, some good material uh, to infuse some entrepreneurship, give them some best practices uh, on how they can be uh, better equipped to, to enter the, this free market space in healthcare. The other area, Chris, that we're going to spend some, some real time uh, with is trying to get as many medical students to come to the Free Market Medical Association, trying to instill in them that there are options in their industry other than being an employed physician at a large hospital system. Most so of them don't know that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So important. They're, it is. It's huge. And, and they're, they're being taught the exact opposite of that in most medical schools. So a little plug here. Uh, we do have an apparatus on the FMMA's website where individuals can donate to help sponsor students uh, to where we would be able to fund a student to come to Dallas and attend the FMMA for little or no cost. That's out on the FMMA.org website. We'll try to make that link prominent on the front page. But uh, our goal this year is to get at least 25 active medical students to the conference. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, there you go. Anybody, uh, any medical students uh, listening, go to FMMA.org and, and attend the conference. So the conference is in Dallas, Texas, uh, April 28th through May 1st. Uh, for anybody interested in, in attending. I know I will be there. Um, we were actually talking about doing a live segment of Healthcare Americana. So if that comes to fruition, that could be, that could be a lot of fun. That'd be great. That'd be a lot of fun to have everyone on stage. Jay, I appreciate it. In closing here, last question for you. We call this our Healthcare Americana crystal ball segment. I get to ask you what's next in healthcare from your perspective. So Jay, you're in the hot seat, gazing into your crystal ball. Where do you and where does the industry go from here? Yeah, I, I think that um, from from my perspective, which is is I work with the buyers, uh, so I'm really concentrated on the buyer side. Um, our our phone rings off the wall. I've got three conference calls um, today. I would have had more if I didn't have uh, spend the time with you, which I am enjoying. <laughs> oh um, man, but, taking him away from his work—that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. But almost every every call, every email, it's from employers that are saying my health plan is is not working. I understand that that you all are are doing something different. I want to learn about it. I want to understand how uh, we can integrate this into our benefit plan to have you know, better benefits at lower costs for our employees. So the crystal ball is the buyers are starting to awaken. Self-funded employers really are, you know, individual patients are big, are buyers, right? But individual patients, they kind of run out of financial steam at a certain level uh, where, you know, they, they can't be a buyer for a large hospital stay uh, unless they're independently wealthy. And so the, the self-funded employer is the next purest healthcare buyer and that giant is starting to wake up Chris and, and when they understand how they've been fleeced they know they've been fleeced they just don't understand how but as more and more of these stories start to come out about how the healthcare status quo is draining their employees uh, and, and their health plans they're going to demand transparency so that's my crystal ball I don't know where that's going to lead but once you have buyers demanding more information, price transparency, I think the entrepreneurs that are prepared to service that demand 
are going to be big winners and we're going to see big changes continuing to to occur in healthcare and it does not require a government mandate. Jay, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. You bet. Like you just said, you're, you're a busy man, so hopefully we didn't uh, distract you too much. It was my pleasure. It, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun, Chris. At Jay Kempton, the Kempton Group, and the Free Market Medical Association, wish you the best of luck and, and uh, moving forward, all the success. All right, thank you. That's it for today's episode. Healthcare Americana is powered by Freedom HealthWorks. Editing provided by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. I'm Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. And hey, if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, let us know that too. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.